Welcome, sports fans, to another podcast of TMG College Sports.com. Uh, this is Chris Dufresne, uh, one of the co founders, and we have, I think, the other, all three other horsemen uh, this week. Uh, Herbie's back, uh, and, and Tony Barnhart, who, uh, and Herb and Tony were at the same game, the Georgia Notre Dame game, but uh, I think Tony had a little bit. Harder time getting back to Georgia, and we'll talk to him about that. And Mark Blouchin is is reporting from uh, a construction site in Situate. Apparently, they're <laughs> home builders uh, next door, but we'll try to work through that. Uh, first, let's go to uh, Tony. Tony is uh, is with us via the Weather Channel hotline. Um, he's on he's on cell today because he can't get through uh on Skype because of uh Hurricane Irma which we'll talk about again but Tony get give, give us an update uh, it, did you have uh, trouble getting back to Atlanta or I know that storm was coming right through there No I, I didn't have any problem getting back to Atlanta cuz I got up Sunday morning and, and flew back now for their for all those Georgia fans who stayed over to watch uh the, you remember they, they had what I call the bulldog trifecta. They went to the Cubs game on yeah. Friday night, where Coach Dooley, Vince Dooley, threw out the first pitch. Did uh, Notre Dame, Georgia on Saturday, then the Falcons and the and the Bears at Wrigley Field on wow. Sunday. Well, the folks who stayed over for the football game on Sunday, they could not get home yesterday because <laughs> it was a mess. And matter of fact, I traded emails with a guy today. He's, who's had four flights canceled on him, and he might get home tomorrow. So uh, it was a great weekend for those Georgia people. But if you stayed to watch the Falcons and didn't get out Sunday night, you're stuck in Chicago. Wow. Oh, that's uh, – we. I mean, we talked last week about, you know, the uh, the apocalypse and Mother Nature. It was, and we had no idea what, what was coming with Irma. Um, but uh, let's just go and get we'll, – we'll, we'll stay with Tony now um, – to get your takeaway from from that experience, Georgia going up there, uh, up past the Mason-Dixon for the first time since 1965 and, and coming away with uh, a win. It, boy, it looked good on TV. I mean, the colors, the, the pageantry. What was it like being there as, as, a, as a reporter and as a Georgia Bulldog? Well, it, it was neat. I mean, I had, to, I had to go there early to take care of some TV work and just sort of roam the parking lots talking to the Georgia people, and they were just... You know, this was one of those uh, bucket list things that a lot of people want to do. Most of the people had never been to Notre Dame, so they came in Friday and toured the campus, and they were they were excited about the game. And for Georgia to, you know, Georgia made enough mistakes; they were very fortunate to win the game, but they did. And to have that much for the fans to have that much fun and cap it off with a win uh, was pretty cool. And it was it was sort of a good stepping stone for Kirby Smart. I mean, he he's he's been looking for some sort of signature victory, a, a game that they weren't supposed to win, and they find a way to do it in, a, in quite an atmosphere. And it was a, it was a neat night, and uh, uh, it was a whole lot of red in that stadium. Herb will tell you, <laughs> a big big win for the uh, SEC too. Um, you know, after Clemson, Auburn, and then uh, you know TCU went into Arkansas and did a little number down there. So I, I think it was an important. Uh, a league win too for for other nation. Um, well, yeah, and, and it was because you know they Georgia had something like twelve penalties and two turnovers and uh, really made a bunch of dumb mistakes. Uh, but they were better up front, uh, particularly on the defensive line, and they handled Notre Dame's uh, 
offense pretty well. Yeah, they did. Uh, let's bring in Herb Gould. Herb, you were at the same game. Did, did you did you see the same game as, as Tony did, or, or did you see a different game? Yeah, you know what? I, I think Tony's being modest here. I mean, I thought Georgia, they were just so much more athletic and, and, and had difference makers on both sides of the ball. Uh, as he mentioned, you know, the penalty problem and the two-turnover deficit really uh, – made it possible for Notre Dame to be in position to win at the end, although they didn't. Uh, I, you know, I was really impressed with Georgia, and especially because they really were reluctant to put Fromm in any kind of vulnerable positions when they could avoid it. Uh, the few times when they did let him throw, I thought he made some great throws. Uh, you know, just a real good all-around effort by Georgia. And, and Notre Dame did some things really well. Uh, they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't punch it in. I mean, four field goals, that, that tells you something about an offense. And then at the end, I think the thing that really spun it for me, and, and I wrote about this at our TMG website, Brian Kelly once again, you know, detracted from things yeah. by to bully a reporter after the game who asked a very fair question. You know, is this going to snowball and he goes no not going to snowball next question you know i mean when you're when you're at notre dame especially i mean but just about anywhere you need to just go oh yeah i know that was going to come up but honestly we played a really good team and we we got a lot out of this you know i just be cool with it i I thought that was a takeaway that that i'm going to be interested to see as time goes on with notre dame because when you deny that sort of thing what you do is you, you sort of make it bigger than it is, and now that's going to be on a lot of Notre Dame watchers' minds, if not the teams, as they get into tight games going forward. Right. I mean, Ben, basically it was the same M.O. Of, of last year, losing games in the fourth quarter, a lot of close games. So it was a legitimate question. I mean, like, what's, changed, what's different about this team? You say it's different, but it was the same result. Um, the, the other, this is kind of inside baseball question, but I haven't been, we've all been to that stadium and, and enjoyed it over the years. What's it like? I mean, the press box is on the other side now, right? I mean, the last yeah. time I, there, I was there, they were going through the construction, Herbie, what's, I mean, what's, what's the, what's the vantage point now? Well, I, I good luck to the people that are watching the, <laughs> the press box when the, uh, on the late afternoon starts, you know, those 3.30 starts are going to be really tough. Uh, Tony, I'm sure, noticed that we were right into the sun during yeah, that time before the game. What a shot. And, and that, that's going to be tough. I don't, I don't think that, you know, once again, uh, you know, the lack of respect for the media uh, continues unabated. But, you know, moving that press box, obviously, you know, get their donors and their big dollars on the, on the good side of the field. But but it was a it was a bad call as far as I'm concerned, you know, from a media standpoint. I, I'm shocked that they they did not that they did something that was uh, you know did not benefit us. Um, yeah. Let's... Well, well, they did that at Soldier Field in Chicago too. They've got the same. It's even worse in Soldier Field because it's it's on the east side and it's on the goal line. Basically, there are obstructed views in the press box. I mean, it's. It's a far cry from, uh, you know, back in the 85 Bears days, you could, my, my seat was literally on the 50-yard line, not the 49, yeah. not the 40, and the 50. And now, you know, if you're on the goal line, uh, you're in a better place than some. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, that's those were the, we call those the good old days. It's the same thing with the Rose Bowl. I mean, the L.A. Times, I mean, we were at the 50-yard line. And, you know, I, what, I, what I do is kind of just try to appreciate what we had, you know, and, and all those years. And we were lucky enough, I guess, to, to have that kind of vantage point. Uh, let's, let's bring in Mark Blouchin from Situate. Mark, there's been some construction going on outside your house during this. Uh, we're wondering if it's... Uh, uh, I hope we hope it's not the Boston College uh, coaching staff uh, building yeah. houses there for any after after what happened. Well, that, you know, that was one of the puzzles of the weekend the uh, the performance uh, against Wake. Um, I didn't see that coming. Did you? No, I, I didn't see it coming at all. And, and and basically, as bad as BC has been against the good teams, and, and they were horrible last year. Uh, getting that scored like you know two twenty nine to, to nineteen and like five losses to like Clemson, uh, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Florida State. I mean Wake Forest was by all accounts a beatable team. I mean, they they were and they they were hardly you know they beat Presbyterian, you know but that that doesn't count. But but they were just horrible yesterday uh, on Saturday, and I and I want to defend Brian Kelly a little bit because um, in, in in one sense is is. When he said it's not going to snowball, he knew they were playing BC this week. So, so I mean, so he he was right. It's not going to snowball. I think Notre Dame will bounce back this week uh, because I I don't know if BC is bad. I mean, I, I think they're getting they're not making any improvement, and and they're getting they, they seem to be getting worse. And, and and I don't see any any real signs of of, of change of, of, of where things are. You know, five years into Steve Adazio's uh, program, there there is. 500 team at best, and, and, and you don't build programs on 500. Yeah, yeah. except as we know, uh, you know, in history, and we've been at some of these games, you know, what yes. program has been the, the Notre Dame killer in the last right. 15 years? It's BC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 20 years, right. going back to the, uh, you know, to 93 and, 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 and Holtz and all that. Uh, so I don't. I have. That's a mystery meat game to me. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I, I don't either. But 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 my inclination is from what I saw. You know, again, you, you got to be careful here because it is Notre Dame, and they have played well against Notre Dame in, in several times in the past. Is that, and especially Notre Dame's got a sense of urgency now with that loss, which means that they're not going to fool around at all, and 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 and, and they can deal with a freshman quarterback who is not as you know as good as what they saw on, on Saturday against Georgia. So we'll see. Yeah, let's let's kind of throw this out to an open forum. I got a couple subjects, and then we'll just kind of bounce these around for a while. Uh, and, and sort, of, I was in the unique position Saturday. All you guys were out at actual games, which is not always the best place to survey the landscape of college football. I had, I mean, I was I was watching from nine a.m. till midnight, which is one of the great things of what joys of being at Panasonic Stadium, as we call it. The pro, here's my beef. There were four games on. Uh, you know that the four games that I really wanted to see were all on at the same time: uh, Notre Dame, Georgia, Clemson, Auburn, uh, USC, Stanford, and I'm missing I'm missing one other big one: uh, Ohio, Ohio, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Uh, and I, you know this drives me crazy because I, I and I kind of wrote about having I mean literally having flipper f- uh, finger fatigue trying to bounce back and forth to all these games. And I have, I ended up catching, uh, you know, some of all of them, but I don't think I got a, a, a true sense of what was going on. And I don't, and, and Tony, you're in the TV business. I don't understand why this has to happen. Now, I, I look, I mean, Notre Dame 
usually has that 12... Well, their home games are usually on 12.30 West Coast time on NBC. Um, all of a sudden, they bump they bump that game to go head-to-head against two ESPN, ESPN ABC games and then a Fox game, USC-Stanford. Uh, I mean, why, why has this happened? Well, I talked to some TV people about it because, yeah, I was, I, I'm like you guys. I was irritated to have all four of those games... Uh, on at once and what they told me is that they've done the calculations even having to share the prime time audience uh, it works out better for them from a number standpoint so listen television does where they does what they think they need to do to post the biggest number in order to charge what they want for advertising they're not going to sit there and put games on when they don't want to put them on because it's better for the fans. That, that ain't the way the business works. So uh, my, my impression was that they had, everybody had calculated the numbers and even sharing the primetime audience with people flipping around the dial, they would still do a better number than putting it on at 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time. Yeah, what a shock. I mean, but the, the problem is, you know, they're going against themselves. I mean, if you're ABC, ESPN... I don't get that part of it where you're 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 programming against your own interests, right. I guess. But I, I I don't understand why they can't. You know, you you just explained it, but I still don't get it. Herb, you have a, a thought on this? I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, what Tony said. I mean, clearly, you know, there's the audience total is so much bigger in the evening that they can, you know, even if they're getting a smaller, you know, a smaller percentage of a bigger number. And then, you know, frankly, they probably have egos and they say, well, we got Notre Dame. Well, we're going to we're going to glom a big chunk of the audience. And, uh, you know, we got Ohio State. We're going to glom a big chunk. So I, I think that they basically, you know, they're going to go as late as they can to get the biggest number. It, it's just all about TV dollars. Well, we see that on the West Coast. A lot with you know, the Pac Pac twelve after dark, and there were there was a great one last week with with Boise and, and Washington State, and I'm still scratching my head over that one. But uh, some of my takeaways, and I, I literally was getting the uniforms. Con- At one point, I thought Clemson was playing Notre Dame. I mean, I was flipping back and forth so fast. I didn't. I wasn't sure who was playing who. But I think my biggest takeaway out of all of those games, the glut of games we saw, was Oklahoma. Um, you know, and I, I was probably more impressed with what they did at at Ohio State, maybe than any other performance. And and then the the, the Baker Mayfield flag plant at the end of the game uh, drew a little, some controversy. Herb, that's sort of on your you know your turf, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, were you shocked that the the Buckeyes kind of uh, you know the way they played? Yeah, that they got out outplayed that much. Yeah, and you know, to your point, I mean, I didn't get to see much of that beyond highlights. Uh, you know, the one thing that that I've heard, and I kind of believe it, not only for Ohio State but for Notre Dame, they've got quarterbacks who really need to be used more in the running game to set up the pass. You know, we saw that with Notre Dame Wimbush had run really well the first week against Temple, and then they didn't really try to do much of that. And and from what I've seen, uh, Ohio State got into that same deal. You know, you got J.T. Barrett, uh, and you need to, you know, I think you need to establish his ground game personally and then see what you can do uh, as far as, you know, balancing out. 
But yeah, I was surprised. I mean, we, we've sort of grown accustomed. I mean, to Urban Meyer. I mean, his record is still off the top of my head, something like sixty-one and seven there with the yeah. loss. Um, you know, he's you know he's state of the art as a coach, and we all know that Ohio State gets all the players they want. Uh, you know, there might be a little period of adjustment with Kevin Wilson, the new offensive coordinator. Although I would have assumed, given what he did at Indiana, that he would, you know, just be like a, a, a pig in slop dealing with Notre Dame, uh, with Ohio State's uh, talent level. But they're going to have to they're going to have to take a step back and think about how they do their offense. I think we're going to see quarterbacks running more at Ohio State and Notre Dame in, in games against quality opponents. Yeah, and J.T. Barrett, who's been there at Ohio State for, it seems like, 100 years. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's one of those guys that I thought when he was a freshman, he was, I think he was the Big Ten. Wasn't he a two-time Big Ten Player of the Year? Or he might have been at least once. And then I don't know, you know, he's still sort of the same player. He hasn't made that uh, that quantum leap uh, into, you know, kind of the Lamar Jackson kind of territory where it's just, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Um what about the poll, the Baker poll plan at the end? Anybody have a problem with that? I really did uh, no, not. Tony, Tony. When they got kicked last year by Ohio State uh, at their place, they said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna return the favor." Yeah. I, I didn't think it was any big big deal at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a big deal at all either. I mean, it was you know. That's that's what they were doing, and I don't I don't think anyone. I mean, some people were bothered by it, but it's just part of the the, the hype and all that stuff. I think it could be fine. Social media. This is social media concoction. This is yeah. a byproduct. Yeah. The one thing I wonder about, and I, and I mentioned this in in the Big Ten wrap uh, from Monday, is if you know uh, the stars align and they see each other at the end of the year in the playoffs. Uh, I, you'll be seeing a few uh, replays of that flag plant. Well, that's it, fine. It's a, a yeah. great locker room well, story. Well, that's how Baker Mayfield ended up apologizing, okay? I promise you. I yeah. promise you. The, the coaches brought him in and said, look, it ain't a big deal with us, but we may have to play him again. Yeah. So let's defuse this and get get it out of the way. And that, that's that's why he ended up doing it. Yeah, that was that was the coach. You know, that, right, that's, that's damage control, crisis management. But I don't think he had to apologize, you know. He's Baker Mayfield's had bigger problems in the last year than than planting a pole in, you know, in, in a field. So uh, I, well, I, he's been and, on the apology and, tour. And if you don't want them to plant a flag on your field, try beating them exactly. Of your fanny's kicked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't like that. We, there, there was another great. There's a great. There's a great note going out there right now, and I'm going to bring you all in on this. The Texas is playing uh, USC this week. I quote, I air quote rematch of the, uh, the the 2005 national title game because you know the people that are trying to compare, you know that game to this game, you know, are, are off their rocker. But in in the USC game notes this week, there was an interesting uh, phrasing. USC, we all love Tim Tessalone, their their longtime SID, but their game notes listed tech, uh, USC having a four and record. Against Texas, parentheses loss vacated by NCAA probation in the two, so they're 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 taking they're vacating their their loss in that game to give them now I, I don't I don't know about that it's it's gotten a lot of play 
maybe it was tongue-in-cheek. When I see Tim Saturday, I'm going to ask him. But uh, anybody have a problem with kind of uh, rearranging history there? <laughs> Her, As Her, I recall, were yeah. we all there? We were, I Did, think. Yeah. Didn't Vince Young score late and win the game? I think I remembered. Uh, I do too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this is this is a sort of a sour grapes, and USC is, for obvious reasons, is very sensitive about that probation, especially in light of what the probations that came after those probations that were not com- commensurate. They don't think to to you know to what they got, and they got punished. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I I give I think I give Tesla credit for even trying it. I I, I think it's a little, that might be an issue with the uh, Cosida about you know about game notes and what you can actually how much you can fudge there but I think that their thought was you know hey if we're got, we have to vacate all those wins that we got with Reggie in the lineup including the 2004 national title game and the Heisman trophy uh the next year uh you know I, maybe it was just fun but some people are taking this very seriously uh as, as again what a shock so well, all I can say about that is is the ultimate question: What would Jim Harbaugh do? I mean, that's what I want to know. <laughs> he would say, "What's your What's your deal, SC? What's your deal?" Um, so let's let's move on. We got a you know another interesting slate of games. Uh, Tony, how many games? I mean, is Tennessee and Florida is is that game still on? I know they were kind of waffling over that. Is is that going to yeah, be played? They, they, They've been discussing the last 48 hours here within the last oh hour and a half or so. They have made the decision to play the game as scheduled, where it's scheduled in Gainesville, Florida. They they had been talking to, and the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, had been involved in the discussions, and they were they wanted just wanted to make sure that by Friday, you know, the people who had wanted to get home have gotten home. Which what they didn't want to do is put all that ball game traffic on I-75 going south. Yeah. And so they ultimately decided that it would that it would be okay by the time we got to Friday, and that, that's where I'm headed this weekend. So, yep, they will play 3:30 Eastern time as scheduled on CBS. Yeah, and we will put this in perspective. But were there any? I mean, other Miami's schedule sort of got really contorted by this, and we all understand why. But Miami had to reschedule. I think they rescheduled two games. They had to re- two games out of this. Is that gonna? How's well, that one, can, yeah. yeah, one game was canceled. Yeah. This, the game they were going to play this week has been rescheduled. They were going to play Florida State this week, okay? Right. And that, that game has been rescheduled. And, uh, so they have two weeks. All right, Tony, they haven't played in two weeks. That's right. Yeah, that's wow. that's okay. that, that's going to be tough. Uh, and Herb, Herbie, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Lane Kiffin's uh, Florida Atlantic team was played at Wisconsin and predictably, you know, got the short end of, of, of that. But after that game, Lane, where, here's an, another shock, sort of complained <laughs> complained about, the, you know, the hurricane being a distraction. And, uh, I, you know, the, obviously it was. But the, Lane is like the little boy that cried wolf. You, you, don't, you, don't know when, you don't know when to believe him, and, and sometimes he's right. Does he, does he have a beef about that game, Herb? Um, and being distracted by Wisconsin, a lot of teams are distracted by Wisconsin. But does he have a beef? Yeah, I don't know that, that there was any question about the outcome of that game. I thought that he should be gracious. I I, I heard at one point that they were going to spend an, at least one extra night in Madison, 
and uh, he should be grateful for that. You know, he go to the State Street Brats and uh, he can sit down by the lake. You know, I mean, there's no right. better place than Madison in September. So I don't really understand what that, that complaint was. Uh, the thing that I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, was real interesting about that game was um, Wisconsin has a true freshman running back, yeah. Taylor, who looked really good. And, you know, they they haven't been running with the same, um, you know, over-the-top excellence the last couple of years, more, more so by the offensive line, perhaps, than the running backs. But that's a, that's a very positive sign for them. And... You know, I think they're kind of, you know, they might be laying in the weeds in, in the Big Ten because the eastern side, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. And, and if Wisconsin takes care of its business, you know, they could they could actually, you know, be a kind of a, a team that sneaks into playoff contention. Yeah, they, they, they go to BYU this week, which most years would sound like it's a t- tough, it will be a tough game, but uh, BYU doesn't look like they've... You know they're they're playing at a clip that they've played at historically. So, but that should be a tough game. Um, there are some other. Uh, I, I I forgot to, to mention this, but we should probably talk about this play. And, and Tom Lucci, our guest contributor, wrote about it in his column. That play, the third and ninety three play, uh, Mississippi <laughs> State in in La Tech, and I I actually saw it for the first time last night on a replay. I, you know what, coach. Coach, what do you call on on third and ninety three? You're trying to maybe throw a screen and make sixty yards up and then punt. Uh, that no, was you, no, you 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 do it you do it you throw it deep <laughs> and as far as you can and either your guy catches it or drops it or maybe they're dumb enough to intercept it and <laughs> and that that's all you can do. Yeah, I, that was that was what. Well, that, to me that you know there was a big debate around that too because the the. The reason that play happened is that everybody on the defensive try side is trying to scoop and score. Yeah. Okay. Instead of just falling on it and getting it, they tried. To, and every time they would try to scoop, they kick it twenty more yards down the field. And uh, to me, that's always been a debate. You tell your your defensive players in that situation just fall on the thing instead of trying to scoop and score, and, and that's what you ended up with. Yeah. It was. Uh... It was pretty comical. Um, Blau, what, what are you looking forward to this week? I, I assume you will be at uh, Notre Dame. You see Notre Dame. But the game I'm really curious about, and Tony can talk about, is, is Clemson, Clemson yeah. I mean, and Louisville. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm, Clemson might be better than people think, and Louisville might be better than people think. And that's going to be a pretty, I mean, that, that'll be interesting battle to see what each both teams have. I mean, I'm, real, I'm really curious about that in the ACC. That's, that might be the, one of the more key matchups of the year. Yeah, Tony. We want to. I mean, yeah. The week after Auburn, they got they 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 got at Louisville with Lamar Jackson, who went just eight nuts uh, last week uh, against North Carolina. But as I as we say out here, who doesn't? You know, I mean, Cal. I mean, Cal beat uh, uh, North Carolina, and uh, which I was that was a shocking result to me. Uh, but yeah, what about to Clemson at Louisville? Well, I'll, you got to give credit to Lamar Jackson. He wasn't you know getting a whole lot of love to repeat as a Heisman winner because I think, you know, the way they finished last year yeah. and a lot of people had buyer's remorse because Sean Watson should have won it. And But with the note, he's, he has 1,010 yards in his first two games and nobody can nobody can stop the guy. So it's going to be, because I'm telling you guys, Clemson, Clemson, not, not Ohio State, 
not Alabama, Clemson has the best defensive front yep. seven in college football. Yeah. Right? And they showed it again. I mean, yeah, Auburn's got its own issues, but they just absolutely manhandled a good Auburn offensive line. So I'm, I'm telling you, that game uh, with that defense against Lamar Jackson is absolutely going to be fascinating. And, you know, the other game I'm looking at is the one we talked about, South, uh, Florida and Tennessee, because you're, you're talking about two coaches who need a win. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's uh, and the Gators, because they didn't play last week, the Gators lose at home to Tennessee and start 0-2. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, that's uh... – that's not going to go over well, uh, Herb. What what's going on in the Big Ten? My, I think that was the most the the, the, sh- the shocking result for me last weekend was Northwestern um, at you know getting pounded at Duke. I, I mean, I don't think if they, they would lost that game, you know, people would have uh, said much. But the way they lost, I thought was sort of shocking. What what's going on at, with Northwestern, and, and what else is what are you looking forward to this week? Well, you know, we learned after that game uh, that. They're, they're running back who actually, if, if all goes well, he's going to end up, Justin Jackson, he's going to end up as the number two all-time rusher in the yeah. Big Ten. Um, you know, he was banged up, so he only had about seven carries. Uh, the defensive backs were all banged up going in, and then their safety got ejected for tar- uh, a safety got ejected early for targeting. All of that said, uh, I was really surprised that Clayton Thorson didn't throw the ball better. I mean, there's been a lot of hype about him as a future NFL quarterback. He went to the Manning's camp this summer, and, and he's a big, strong kid who's going to, you know, he's got the perfect NFL kind of prototype. And, and he just wasn't on his game. Um, so it is. it was a surprise. I, I thought that, that Northwestern would, you know, at least be competitive down there. Uh, it just got away from them. I really had myself convinced that, they were the, the chief threat to Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten West, and I don't think that anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll be out. They've got Bowling Green Saturday night uh, in Evanston, and I'm going to go there uh, just because it's close and comfortable. But <laughs> I would expect I, I would expect they're going to. I wouldn't want to be Bowling Green on Saturday night. On the other hand, Northwestern's got this habit of, of starting slowly. You know, they were. They were 0-2 uh, at this point last year and, and 0-2 a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of years before that. So they start slow. Um, I would expect that Pat Fitzgerald will forsake the shorts uh, after two games and put on some long pants. Maybe that will inspire the lads. <laughs> yes, I would, I, would think, I, would, I would hope so. Uh, maybe you can get some khaki pants. I think that's a big trend in the, uh, in the league these days. Here's a trend for you. I was I was studying Northwestern. The last the last uh, five years they've gone ten three five seven five seven ten three. They're due for a five and seven year. <laughs> That's there you go. There's there are some interesting games. At the game, I, I'll tell you what. I circled this and this was a. I want to know who how this game this game got made. If you think that Georgia going to to Notre Dame was was interesting, what about Ole Miss at Berkeley? I mean, you, t- you talk about a cultural. Uh, I, I want to see the people. I, w- I hope there's cameras of the, the the people from Ole Miss making that trip as they walk up Telegraph Avenue into into a Zombie Land up in Berkeley. Berkeley is one of the prettiest places, uh, venues for college football. 
but it's also one of the strangest. Uh, how does how does that at home and that, is that a home and home, a, a two for one, Tony? Do you know anything yeah, that, about that game? I think I, yeah, I think it's a home and home. But here's here's what makes that game really interesting. After they go, you know, they they beaten South, South Alabama, they beaten UT Martin. Now they're playing Cal. After that game, they get a week off. Then the schedule goes at Alabama, at Auburn, Vanderbilt is two and zero. Yeah. LSU, Arkansas. They play nine straight weeks after they play. They take a week off and then play nine straight weeks after Cal. Yeah, well, you know, Cal Cal is our mystery meat team out here. They they go down and beat North Carolina, which was a shocking win. Then they they had to rally hard last week to beat Weber State at home. Uh, but that's 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 one of those games. Another game out here. At, watch out, Oregon at Wyoming. Well, that's a trap game. Um, and then of course UCLA, very impressive through two games. They go to Memphis, which is another weird matchup uh and who knows what's going to happen down there uh that's any anybody anybody got anything else if not i'll mention the uh the dodgers losing their 11th straight game um yesterday and i'm not a dodger fan but i'm watching this story because it's a train wreck they 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 played the the giants last night the game didn't start till 10 15 uh because of weather which is unusual but uh, you know, so they took their 11 straight loss at 2:10. That's 5:10 a.m. Uh, Coach Barnhart time. Uh-huh. The team that won, that was on pace to win 120 games, has lost 16 out of 17 now. And at, uh, Herb, you'll remember '69, the amazing Mets. Uh, how how big a lead did the Cubs have that year over the Mets? Uh-huh. Double digits. Yeah, that was that back in my vending days. I was at I was at <laughs> the home game, and uh, I even went to New York for a series in July. Uh, you know, that was a different kind of a deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Cubs thing this year. People are are were, are starting to fret that this is '69 again because the Cubs were swept by the Brewers Ooh. over the week, and they had Ooh. a five game lead. Now it's down to two. Um, I think that'll be an interesting postseason if it's Cubs and Dodgers backing in uh, that would be quite a playoff series well we're my well, do people watch out for this watch out for people who start in LA start actually 1951 with the Giants <laughs> well that, they'll, they'll trust me they are I mean this is you know I this would be the all-timer of in, in any in any sport uh, ever you know since the Greeks and the Olympics this would be the biggest upset I mean, the biggest shock, uh, if, if they blow this, I think they can lose every game the rest of the way and still make the wild card, which shows you they were 53 games over 500 a couple weeks ago, which oh, wow. is, yeah, I mean, which is, uh, and, and it, it was funny because I grew up an Angel fan, as we all know, but at one point a month ago, the, the LA Times, my my old haunt, they pulled the, the beat writer off the Angels to cover the Dodgers because they're going to have this historic season, right? And uh, and there was an outrage by many people, uh, you know, because the Angels are actually still in the wild card, uh, three games over five hundred. But you know, it's hard. It's like am- ambulance chasing out here to watch this. At least you know they lost at three two in the morning uh, last night. But uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything a, a turnaround a team so great and is now so bad. But that's baseball we're talking about, so uh, I think we probably should wrap it up, uh, and we will. Um, 
roll out here and, and, and meet again next week. Until then, adios, everyone. Have a great weekend.